Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. In each episode, we look back on the game week we've just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's scout the game week. This week, I'm joined by Brett, who's from FPL Shake and Bake, who is part of the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Academy. Brett, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Sam. So my football team announced they're coming home this week, um, which is amazing news. Um, after playing at St Andrews for a couple of years and missing out on winning, seeing them win the league last year, which is, as a country fan, we don't get much success. So, <laughs> yeah, nice to have them home. Um, and yeah, that, that sort of made my week, really. That's perked you up after you? game week 27, which from our little chat before didn't go quite as well for you this time no, around. Um, so Raheem Sterling as captain really didn't work. I've got Cancelo as well, so... The famed pet roulette really didn't play. My my numbers didn't come up in it this week. I had a couple of decent picks. So Kane, Aubameyang did well, and Martinez did what he always does. Um, I ended up with 69 points and a slight red arrow, um, just sort of staying around where I was, really. Could have been worse. I think when the pet roulette trolls you in the way that it did for a lot of managers this week, it could have been a hell of a lot worse than it was. We'll talk about Pep um, and his roulette and the City assets from Gaming 27 shortly. But let's start off by talking about you and FPL Shake and Bake. Where did the idea for FPL Shake and Bake come from? Um, so I guess I've always enjoyed writing. Um, when I was younger, I always wanted to sort of grow up and be a sports journalist. Um, but messed up my A-levels, I didn't get the grades I needed to go to uni um, and then just sort of fell around doing jobs. Um, a few years ago, I sort of suffered with mental health and reached out um, to a couple of MBA websites and started doing um, articles for them. Um, and again, it was just sort of writing about something I love and it, it seemed to really help. Then with the whole COVID com- thing coming in, I just sort of thought, this has got the potential to be be horrible for people um, and just thought if I can get on the front foot and just use something as a an outlet just to take my mind off the outside world and, and just live in this sort of fancy bubble. Um, yeah, it just sort of made sense to sort of try and do it and it's just sort of helping me sort of be more accountable for my team. So the last few years I've sort of dropped off in terms of performance um, and didn't want to do that. So I just thought if I start doing this, then be great and then obviously the sort of the scout academy come up and that's been a really good community like we're we've got group dms and stuff and it's been everybody's been really supportive and we bounce ideas off each other so yeah it's been really good i love that i think that you know this this pandemic has been incredibly tough particularly when we think back to to last well about a year ago really when we lost football altogether and we had that period of time where there just wasn't any FPL to talk about although we were still able to make transfers there was something to do I suppose once a week but you know it was it was a tough time and I, and I think for, for me um, and I, I speak for kind of a number of the FPL content creators that I'm friends with and that we you know I deal with regularly and I think they all felt the same that the community was 
a really nice distraction it was a really nice place to kind of go and talk to people if you were kind of struggling with with issues or mental health or, or what have you and I think what you've done with FPL Shake and Bake is a lovely is a lovely thing because it's it's totally different in some ways to what many of the content creators are doing because it is as you say it's written form so you have your own um, website where people can go and, and basically read what you do and your decision making and, and how you play how you're playing FPL effectively right yeah so it's just like I say just wanted to there's been years where I've been like oh, I wish I'd have done that move and stuff whereas by doing this it's just sort of making me think about it a little bit more and like I said hopefully holding myself a bit more accountable um but just on this week's results maybe not um <laughs> but yeah it's just sort of I, I did it for myself really um but then obviously when the Scout Academy come up and stuff and things like that, and then you can start to reach out and different people start coming in and, and talking to things. And like you say, it's just a good way of, of branching out that network and just escaping from any troubles or, or anything that can be going on in the real world. Um, and just having that sort of place where you can go and get lost for a few hours and concentrate on, on something you want to be doing. Amazing. Have you had any thoughts about your kind of plans for the future with Shake and Bake? Because it has, I mean, I, I really enjoy reading about what you're doing and your plans. As part of my kind of job looking after the Scout Academy, I take take quite a lot of interest in what you guys are doing now and spend a lot of time reading and watching the other content from the guys that they do and and as you say it's a really nice community that's building there people doing lots of different things so there's some podcasters out there there's some youtubers out there is that something that you've thought about doing or is this kind of like do you think the written text is probably the way that you you're going to be i probably wouldn't want to set up my own youtube or podcast but i'm happy if like people sort of found my views interesting want to on that I'd be happy to do that I don't really I'm a little bit too old to know about the um the ins and outs of how to do all the YouTube and stuff so I sound yeah that makes me sound really old um but yeah I just think, like I'm happy with writing my blog my my thoughts down sort of trying to pull them together but yeah like obviously things like this is really good opportunity to try and sort of broaden my presence in the network sort of thing um okay what about this season so far then how we know that game week 27 wasn't brilliant but what about the rest of the season so far how's that going so i'm about 400k at the minute which is better than the last few years but still not quite where i want to be it's been a mixed bag i've had some weeks where things have got really gone my way and there's been some really big green arrows but then i've had other weeks where i've sort of made what i thought were sound decisions but then they've just not not paid back so things like i played my bench boost a couple of weeks ago that got, got me four points. Um, wow. my, my bench has been really strong all season. I've had like, I had a week where Martinez and Suchek both got double double figures. I had Calvert-Lewin on my bench when he scored at Old Trafford. I had Bamford against Leicester on my bench. So <laughs> it sounds like my bench. Yeah, <laughs> when I've seen your sort of moaning about the bench, it's like, yeah, I, I know that pain. And then I thought, game week 26, we've got all the games, got it's the biggest opportunity to get those points in. And I got four points. <laughs> um, like I, Eric Dyer suddenly fell out of favour and I've sort of kept him with the thought of 29 and Spurs playing. But he's obviously fallen out of favour of Mourinho. And so he got nothing. The two Leeds boys, I've got Bamford and Rafinha, both got two points. And um, Alex McCarthy suddenly got dropped, but then got put back in last night, which I thought was a strange move. You no, know, it was such a weird one, wasn't it? Because um, I, I very nearly played my bench boost this week. It was kind of on the agenda for a little while. I, it's been on the agenda for weeks. I, every week there's always been a reason and, you know, a flags player or, you know, whatever. 
that's meant that I haven't hit the button. And then this week, I was like, maybe this is the right week to do it. I had a couple of Man City players playing twice. I also had Alex McCarthy. And then I just thought, oh, oh, with Alex McCarthy being dropped the game week before, how many is he going to play? If he only plays in the second game, because I kind of had this thought of might force to play one and McCarthy play the other. And if that happens and McCarthy gets the City game, I don't want him. <laughs> I don't want him coming <laughs> off the bench. Um, and then I had this kind of like real kind of dilemma because I also had Luke Shaw playing against my City boys. And I was a bit like, mm, I, I don't know. It just didn't feel like the right thing to do. So I didn't. But, you know, actually probably would have gone all right for me because Luke Shaw ended up sat on my bench with 14 points this week, um, which is really annoying. But I do think that that is something that, although I moan about it, pretty much every week it is something that's been a big learning point for me about the importance of a bench this season I know that this season isn't necessarily the same as any other season we've had really because of the disruptions that we've had right from the beginning with the the game weeks starting later for some players the fact that we've still got some teams with fixtures to be rearranged all of that stuff has meant that a strong bench has been needed and I'm starting to come to terms with the fact that that means sometimes I'm going to leave a lot of points on my bench however upsetting it is where can people find you what does your website address look like I'm um, so I'm on both Instagram and Twitter at FPL Shake and Bake and then the, there's a link in the bio for both of them to, to the blog where people can read my sort of upcoming thoughts for the game week occasionally I'll do sort of reviews of, of how I've done over the last few weeks and one of the things that I'm seeing is I am leaving a lot of points on my bench this year um, <laughs> you know, it seems to be the bench and getting captain drunk um, which have been really painful for me um, this week especially this week. I think that's a nice segue into talking about um, game week 27 then, because for you and I both, captaincy was a big call going into this week. I I told you just before we came on, I made the decision very, very late on last week to move the armband from Harry Kane, where it had sat from, well, from when I set my bus team, the, the soon as the game week 26 deadline passed. And I just had this moment of, what are you doing? You can't captain a single game weeker in a double game week and get away with it, given how highly owned the Manchester City players are. Um, And so I moved that armband to Gundogan. You've already told us that you captain Sterling. So I think this is a a good place to start. Let's start with Manchester City. So in game week 27, they obviously played twice. they had played against Manchester United first. What did you make of them in that game? Because that game, in all honesty, was the surprise of the weekend for me. Yeah, it was a result I really wasn't expecting. I mean, I, I took out Fernandez this week because I, I mm. read and listened to everybody say he doesn't perform against top six clubs and, and I sort of bought into that hype. And I thought with the way that sort of Solskjaer does set United, I, I, I was expecting a nil-nil or City sneaker one-nil sort of thing. Yeah. Um. And I think possibly if they hadn't have got that early penalty, then that could have ha- happened. Um, but obviously, as soon as they got in front, it just it gave United a bit something that they could depend to. Um, but I, I thought they did a bit more than that, to be honest. You know, I was quite impressed with them, um, especially compared to how they recently played. Um, and yeah, it, even though I brought in Aubameyang for Fernandez, which was after 10 minutes on Saturday, it looked like I was a genius. Um, <laughs> I think... Yeah, I, I was disappointed that I had that. And then obviously Sterling missed a good chance on Sunday, um, which could have done wonders for me. And then obviously we moved on to last night and he wasn't there. And I just think Man City haven't looked quite right 
recently. I think there's a bit too much rotation going on there, and it, it does seem to have unsettled them. Um, obviously, mm. they've pretty much won the title, so there's probably an element of saving themselves for Champions League, FA Cup, and the uh, the Carabao Cup final. But yeah, I, I think you still you still want Man City assets, and you, you probably still want three of them just because they are so good. But there's definite change in, in who you want um, mm. going forward, I'd say. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think for a number of, well, for the majority, really, of FPL managers, owning three Manchester City players has been the right thing to do for, well, a large chunk of this season in reality, particularly since we entered 2021. Um, For me, though, I've only had two from, well, from when I started investing in Man City, from when we had a turnaround in their fortunes. Gundogan um, and Diaz. Uh, Diaz, I feel like he's the safe pick. At Manchester City he's the one of the defence that you're kind of likely to see play but with the rest of them Pep seems to move them around every week there is no as you mentioned before no consistency in the the guys and in the personnel that he's deploying at the back and as a result of that we're seeing well consistently disappointing maybe performances from the Manchester City defenders sometimes they still keep the clean sheets but a lot of the time they are letting in the odd goal here or there we even saw that against Southampton who I thought that was a shoo-in for a clean sheet for for the City guys last night so are we saying now that we think we're hitting a point in the season where maybe we're moving away from that double up at the back with Man City is it a case of maybe holding on to Edison or Diaz who look like they are fairly secure of starts but maybe Cancelo and Stones are just too much of a risk and now that Man City are performing better going forward would we be better to replace one of them with one of the forward players the likes of Mares, who was absolutely fantastic um, against Southampton this week. So yeah I, I moved away from two at the back um, a few weeks ago now and brought in Sterling to try and do something different so I, I originally had Cancelo and Stones and then as soon as Laporte come back and you start to see Stones dropping out I I made that change um, and I I was originally playing on triple captain in Sterling um, a few double game weeks back Uh, again it blanked so I'm glad I didn't do that Um, but that was sort of reasoning I thought with De Bruyne out Sterling's gonna step up and be be the main man I think he's scored one goal for me since I've had him Um, again go Going forward, last night they looked brilliant and it was Foden's first sort of start for a while and he, he was really, really impressive. He um, and He has been all season when he's played. It's just mm. he isn't playing enough. Um, I think Gundogan, you, you have to have. There's, there's no getting There's no better option. I know he's playing a bit deeper now, De Bruyne's back, but at six million or, or whatever he is now, it's he's still such good value and he still popped up in with like on the edge of the six yard area to put that chance in last night. Um, Mares is an interesting one. Um, obviously, he was very impressive last night. And he seems to be one recently that's played played a lot more. So was like likes of Foden, Sterling, even Bernardo Silva have been in and out of the team. Mares is definitely sort of, he's getting the bulk of the minute. So whether that they're saving the others for, for the other fronts that they're fighting on or whether Pep's just seeing something in Mares, which is, which is working and he's sticking with it. I think personally, I I will move away from Cancelo and look to. I'm playing on my wild card in 31. I think it'll either be Diaz or Edison. I'm good friends with a Man City fan. He was very disappointed that that penalty wasn't given last night. I'm I'm not sure how it wasn't because he was convinced that Edison would finally take one. If that's the case, then it could be a, a little sort of boost that you don't expect from goalkeepers. Um, so he could be a target in my wild card. 
Um, but I agree with Diaz as well. He's he's one that just he just plays every game. Um, mm. He's been a brilliant signing for City. Um, and whereas Laporte and Stone seem to mix, and then so, sometimes Laporte will play left back, so Zinchenko's not not nailed on. And then you've obviously got the Cancelo can play right back, left back, and then so that affects Walker and Zinchenko and possibly Laporte. So I think. Yeah, I think I'll go to one of the defenders, so either the goalkeeper or Diaz, and then I think I'm going to look to get De Bruyne in. He's just mm. it's Kevin De Bruyne. Whatever you do with him, you know he's going to get points, he's going to get assists, he's going to score goals. I know there's been a few people saying Man City have almost taken a step back since he's come back into the team, um, but he's he's world class, and I just think he's one of those players that you just have to have when you can. I think Manchester City are Kevin De Bruyne and Kevin De Bruyne is Manchester City. He is such a quality player and, and they did miss him when he was gone. There was there was a change. And of course, we saw Gundogan absolutely step up to the plate and we saw them continue to go forward with some gusto. But they are just a different beast when, when De Bruyne's there. His vision and his ability to move the ball around is unbelievable. Um, he was fantastic against Southampton, I thought. And we are normally fairly secure with Kevin. Whenever he's fit, he seems to play. So I think if you're going to invest in the Man City midfield, he looks like a good option. Mares has now played in every game since game week 22 um, when he did... He missed one against Spurs in that period where he only played for 11 minutes. But he has got minutes in every single game since game week 22, which is a big deal for a Manchester City midfielder. They don't often all do that. We've seen with Foden that he plays fantastically and then misses out for five games. And you kind of find yourself thinking, what on earth has happened here? Like he had a fantastic game and then gets dropped again. Now, Manchester City have got a tough period of time where it comes to football over the well they started a few weeks ago with the you know the restart of the Champions League they've obviously got the League Cup final coming up in a few weeks time against Spurs they're also still in the FA Cup and of course whilst the Premier League is looking like it is fairly certain to be Manchester City's now barring some sort of major collapse it's still not mathematically secure so I think you're right in what you're saying that we we will start to potentially see a little bit more rotation around Manchester City so getting those picks right feels like it's going to be important and therefore potentially moving away from the mid uh, from the defence and maybe looking more towards the midfield feels like a better option now of course this also comes at a time where we have a rather large Egyptian sized elephant in the room um in Mohamed Salah. Mohamed Salah has been, for as many years as I can remember, a king of FPL. He has been one of those players that as soon as the game launches pre-season, he goes into my team, normally alongside Kevin De Bruyne. And Salah stays there, inevitably, throughout the entire season and often wears my captain's armband and is one of those players that, if particularly when Liverpool are playing at home, that I would trust with the armband, with the triple captaincy, with everything. But not so much of late. We are now... Starting to look at Salah in a different light, I think he's already taken a price drop this week. So he's down at 12.5 million, which is still an awful lot of money for an out-of-form Salah. Now, we did see him perform in the Champions League, did score. But even then, we've seen Liverpool perform in the Champions League before and then come back to the Premier League and go off the boil again. What are your plans with Salah? Do you still own him? Are you still invested? No. No, I sold Salah in game week 24 um, to bring Sterling in. Um, so Salah hasn't really punished me. I think they probably matched each other throughout the, the sort of period that I've not had him. Um, I just think I look at Liverpool and the sort of the circumstances and the emotions they must have gone through winning the title last year um, without the crowd being there. Um, 
especially Liverpool and their fans as such a big sort of it's a big romantic ideal, isn't it? Um, so it to is. do that without their fans must uh, after such a long wait, it must have been must have been very conflicting for them because obviously on one hand they've won the Premier League, it's brilliant. Um, but then to go through that without their fans, it's almost put a, a taint on it really for them, I think. Um, then they didn't have much of a break. They come back. And uh, if you look at this season with like Clark losing his mom and not being able to fly out to a funeral, the recent tragedy with Alison and his dad, and they've had key injuries. It doesn't surprise me that that sort of intensity isn't there because they must just be drained. So I, I personally haven't got any Liverpool players and, mm. and I'm not looking to get them in at the minute. It's a tough one, I think, because I, I still do have Salah in my FPL team. He got another week. Well, he's got another week on a number of occasions just because there's been other things that I've wanted to do. And, and I've kind of been like, well, it's Salah and the fixtures were nice. So it's been like, OK, well, he can have another week. But I think the Liverpool defence the Liverpool defense against Fulham was it was very, very shaky behind. And as a result of that, you know, the, the defence is so important to Salah. The way that Trent and Robertson play the wings has such an impact on the forward players at Liverpool. And without Van Dijk at the back, there's no trust around the defence. So they feel very disjointed. Then we, of course, saw Trent getting dropped in that game. So it was just all very difficult. It was a, such a strange team that Klopp put out in game week 27. No Mane, no Firmino, no Trent. Salah and Yotta playing together. I do like the look of Yotta. He's come back looking sharp. He's come back looking like he wants to play, looking like he's got a bit of energy about him. And, and you never know, that might inspire the rest of them. But I'm looking at Salah sat there in my FPL team, knowing that he won't play in game week 29, thinking, well, I'm going to sell him at the end of game week 28 anyway. So maybe actually he goes now. And I just hope that he he doesn't really punish me for selling him against Wolves, but he hasn't you know, he hasn't been punishing sellers against Fulham or West Brom. So this Wolves performance, I can see Wolves being able to play in the same way that we've seen from the likes of Fulham last week and, and control the way that Liverpool are playing the game. So I think there will be a, a big exodus from Salah and probably a lot of those people that are looking to get off will jump ship from one side of the FPL family sides to the other because Gareth Bale uh, I mean he's unbelievable now he's now returned in six of his last six matches in all competitions he's regularly starting for Spurs managing around the 60-70 minute mark and Mourinho's been talking this week about how Bale is back to full fitness but they are just managing him because they don't want him to break again they want him to be able to continue playing because obviously the consistency of starts is, is really important when you kind of building up momentum with a player like Bale so I think from an FPL point of view if you're happy to have Bale for 60 to 70 minutes every week and with the way that he's been performing particularly alongside Harry Kane in game week 27 where the two of them were much like we saw from Son and Kane earlier on in the season just every ball you thought was gonna was gonna result in something for the two of them what do you think about Gareth Bale is he somebody that's on your radar given that you've already told us that Sterling's on his last legs for you could Bale be a good option yeah, so I, I brought Bale in as soon as ah. he was um, I tried, tried to get ahead um, and that, that miss at Burnley and his first game back still haunts me. Um, he saw him and then he comes on, I was like, okay, I'll get something. And then he burst through and I was like, Gareth Bale's back. I, I've got him and, and his price is just going to shoot up and people won't be able to get him. But it obviously didn't work out. I sold him. And just before he scored his first goal, 
Um, so I've, I've been burnt by him, but I mean, the form he's showing lately, it's it's Gareth Bale of old. The only question mark is is the minutes, and Spurs have got a lot of football to play, similar to Man City. Yeah, they have. Um, but I think I think he's. A, I'd probably say even though Son's probably getting almost fifty percent more of the time with Bale going off after an hour, and Son generally playing the full game now, I think he's still a better option than Son at the minute. And um, team seems to have sort of adapted to that Kane and Son relationship. Yeah. Um, but bringing Bale in has just given Spurs an extra dimension um, and suddenly they look really impressive again going forward. Um, I think what's interesting for me as a Spurs fan is that, you know, we are seeing Bale at full pace again in, in the sort of Bale form, I guess, that we had seven years ago. And it's coming at the end of a season because, of course, this is almost like the beginning of Bale's season because he's finally hitting that that period of, of, of time where he's feeling fit and available. And as a result of that, he's coming up against defences who are coming out of a lot of busy periods of football. You know, even if they haven't got extracurricular activities in terms of, you know, Champions League or the Europa League, these clubs have had a lot of rearranged fixtures to play. There's been a lot of double game weeks. There's been just a lot of busy football. You kind of go from one game because of this, the spreading out of the matches over the whole weekend to cover... For the people at home, like you and I, who you know, want to watch every single game, we're seeing that sides are starting to tire. Uh, and as a result of that, I think that's kind of why Bowers have been so influential since he's come back to Spurs, because he's coming up against tired defences and he's surprising them in terms of the way that he's thinking about playing, because Spurs aren't always necessarily doing the Kane to Sun or Sun to Kane. There's a lot of Bale getting involved too. So as a Sun and Kane owner already myself, I am seriously thinking about the treble up to own all three of them but even for me as a Spurs fan that feels like a little bit of um a little bit of Spurs goggles being on having said that because Spurs play in game week 29 it when there's not a lot of clubs that do play in 29 and there's not a lot of clubs that are in really good form that play in game week 29 it does feel like those three probably have the best opportunity this maybe for for returns even coming up against Martinez who's been particularly brilliant so far this season what do you think is owning all three of the Spurs attackers too much because some people will be looking to do this ahead of the North London derby which we'll talk about a little bit later because they're preparing their teams for 29 so how many Spurs attack is too many I I probably think all three is a bit overkill um a lot of my decision for game week 29 will base around whether Grealish is back for Villa or not. Mm. I think if not, then Villa aren't the attacking threat that they have been earlier this season. Um, and I, I might look to bring in somebody somebody like Reggie on. Still don't really trust Spurs' defence, but if, if Villa are struggling attacking-wise, then it makes sense to go for a defender and go for the one with the most attacking potential. Um, he's, he's really impressed me this season. Um, but then Mourinho does occasionally just throw Ben Davis in instead of him. So so it is a gamble. But yeah, I think sort of going for all three, especially as Villa have been fairly impressive at the back. I'm not sure that the potential is there to haul, but then there is also that, that gamble that you don't pick the one that does, does score and that can end up to sort of massive drive, especially with Son and his ownership. If you don't have him and he does do well in that game week and the other two don't, then you could have like a big red arrow just, just from that one game. Yeah. I think just going back to what you said about Grealish, Dinson said today that he won't be available for game week 28 
uh, because unfortunately he had got ill this week, which is typical, isn't it, when you're recovering? Um, so he's he's been struck down by illness, but they're hoping to have him back for the Spurs game. So the big question for me then is, you know, are we going to get a fully fit Jack Greenish back for the Spurs game? Because often it takes a couple of games after an injury and, and in Jack Greenish's case, an injury and an illness to come back. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens there. It's definitely one to keep an eye on. Okay, then let's have a look at game week 28 then, because this will be a nice game week for most FPL managers. Something that's not got a double involved in it. There's no blanks involved in it. It's just a normal game week. Um, And so that means you can put your captain's armbands on anyone without having to panic about whether they have a double game week or not. And you can bring in, for the most part, whoever you want. However, of course, FPL managers without the free hit chip will be looking ahead to game week 29, which basically means that you're kind of down to eight teams that you would want to invest in for game week 28 because they play in game week 29. Now, a lot of those teams that play in game week 29 end up playing each other in game week 28, which makes it kind of a fascinating decision when it comes to your transfer options for game week 2028. Arsenal and Spurs, we have to start with the North London derby I think it would be a miss to start anywhere else both of these teams are going to be popular because both of them play in blank game week 29 um Aubameyang is starting to find his form again he scored as you mentioned earlier in game week 27 we've obviously spoken at length about those Spurs attackers and you've mentioned about Regulion and how how good he's been looking since his return from injury um the North London derby is always a fiery high scoring affair it's very rare that I watch a boring North London derby. Kane has played in 12 of them. He's got 11 goals and two assists in that time. He is somebody that I think I'm going to captain this week. So on paper, this fixture isn't necessarily one that screams FPL captain. But when you look at the rest of the fixtures, there's not really another one or another player that really jumps out as in form and in a game that he really likes to play. So how do you see this North London derby going? Are you with me? Do you think it's going to be high scoring? Yeah, it always is, isn't it? Um, so the part of the reason I brought Aubameyang in last week, um, obviously 29 plus, I said I don't trust Spurs defence. It's normally a high scoring game. And I think I'm going to be the same as you and my captain will be Harry Kane. Um, he just mm. loves, he loves playing in North London derbies. Well, he play, loves playing in any London derbies, but especially against Arsenal. Um, you'll always see that picture of him that comes out every, every time when he was a kid in an Arsenal shirt. <laughs> Um, but then, then he always just get, he always goes and scores and sort of makes a mockery of it. Can't see putting my armband on anybody else. Um, yeah, and unless something comes out that he's injured or ill or, or anything, then yeah, he'll definitely be my um, my captain. And of course, it's worth Possibly. mentioning that Spurs do play in the Europa League on Thursday evening after we record this. So there is obviously that element to it so unless something happens in the Europa League ahead of this North London derby but I suspect Mourinho will be wanting to keep his players nicely rested of course Arsenal also have a Europa League tie um, on Thursday evening as well so Spurs playing at home this time around Arsenal traveling away which will have a a bit of an impact I guess because whilst the both teams are playing on the same time so in terms of spreading out fixtures and the rest time that they're getting it's no different the fact that Arsenal have got international travel to contend with as well will make a change now you've already brought in Aubameyang and I think he'll be popular with people throwing up money from Salah but is there anyone else in the Arsenal team that you think they might be a really nice option for 28 of course but also looking ahead to to blank game week 29 I mean whenever I watch Arsenal I think Saka's their, their best player I, even when he plays at left back he, he's still 
looks their best player in in the team, and he's he's always been a really good. He's now he's playing in midfield a lot more. He's obviously a better option than when he plays in defence. Um, he's still really cheap, still not really owned by a lot of people, and I am expecting goals on on Sunday. So I think if I go elsewhere. Um, then he will definitely be on my hit list. Awesome. I think for me, Arsenal have been one of those teams this year where when I watch them, I kind of look at them and I'm always scouting because I'm always always you know thinking that there will be an Arsenal player at some point that comes along and is like, here I am, buy me now. Um, and then they'll go on a nice little run. With Aubameyang, I keep toying with the idea because I've got this Salah position and it's either go Bale or go Aubameyang effectively for me. So that choice is there to be made. Saka, I think, I agree with you. He just looked impressive. And then, of course, we sometimes see glimpses from Pepe, but not all the time. So he's so difficult to invest in. And this is where my bugbear is with Arsenal right now. I feel like Pepe, in some ways, encompasses Arsenal because you watch them from some some weeks and they look fantastic. And then you watch them the next week and you're kind of like, what happened to that Arsenal team that I watched 24, 48 hours ago? And picking the right one, I find really challenging. You know, at one point we were talking about Tierney and Holding. Then was kind of Aubameyang and Saka. Smith Rowe, of course, comes up in these conversations. You never know whether Pepe and Lacazette are going to start. They're a difficult team to invest in for me. Uh, And so when I look ahead to the two fixtures that they have, of course, the North London derby where we've mentioned anything could happen. But then in game week 29, they have what I think is one of the more difficult fixtures of the week against a West Ham team who have been absolutely superb so far this season. So I'm looking at Arsenal thinking, well, how many goals do I actually see them getting against this West Ham team in game week 29? Because that's going to kind of lead me into the discussion and the decision, I suppose, about who I choose to invest in from an Arsenal perspective. West Ham, um, this time around, have a difficult fixture against Manchester United. But West Ham have been brilliant and they were brilliant again in game week 27. Have you got any West Ham players? And if so, who are they? I've not. I've had a bit of a, a blind spot with West Ham all season. I had Suchek earlier on in the season, um, and then when their fixtures turned, I I transferred him out for Rafinha. And it's the West Ham defender like Cresswell and Souffal that mm. everybody have got. But they're really killing me every time West Ham get a clean sheet. I can just I go on live FPL and just see see that <laughs> drop him. I will eventually get someone in when I do my wild card. Um, but like you say, I, I think this week, especially with Lingard being out, um, he's been really impressive for, for West Ham yeah. lately. With him not being able to play against United and just generally United. Uh, I know obviously before last week they hadn't looked great, but they were really impressive last week. And their defensive record has still been pretty good. Um, so I probably won't go for any West Ham players, um, especially, like I say, watching Arsenal, you never know what team's going to come up. They could easily they could easily turn up to West Ham and win two or three nil. You wouldn't be that surprised. Likewise, West Ham could stick three past them, and again, you wouldn't be surprised. So that's it's a really tough game to call, um, and I think the United one this week is as well. Obviously, after mm. twenty nine, West Ham switches do get quite nice, and that's when I'm looking to do my wild card. So I will be looking to get someone like Cresswell or Lingard in. So I have two West Ham players. I have Creswell, the aforementioned Creswell, who is just legendary. Um, I've owned him before he was popular. He came in a long time ago and, and has been fantastic. Not necessarily because they keep clean sheets every week, but because his set pieces are just out of this world. And you so you can pretty much guarantee that every week he's either going to get you a clean sheet 
or a set piece or both. And, and that's just fa- a fantastic place to be with a with a cheap well, relatively cheap defender anyway. Obviously, he's taken a number of price rises of late, but I really enjoy playing Creswell. Every week, I, f- I think he's dangerous. I still have Suchek in my team, although I'm intrigued to see what happens with Suchek in this game because, as you've mentioned, Lingard can't play against um, his parent club, Man United, in, in game week 28. But he'll be back for game week 29. Suchek, I found that when Lingard's on the pitch, he's just a little bit less attacking. Lingard tends to be the one that's going a little bit more than Suchek is so it has had a little bit of a detrimental impact on Suchek but actually will be interesting to see what happens in game week 28 when he's back playing without him again against Manchester United but Lingard is definitely one I'm looking at for beyond game week 28 I think he's one that I probably will look to bring in as my final transfer of into game week 29 effectively he looks really really good really on form Uh, like he's enjoying football again. And a bit like we were talking about with Gareth Bale, suddenly you find this rhythm where they've come back and they are fully fit and they are wanting to play. And I think that's what we're seeing from Lingard now. We're starting to see that rejuvenation of his football career, I suppose, in this little nutshell that is his time at, at West Ham on loan. So I think they'll really miss him against Manchester United this week. And I think this will be a tough game for West Ham, but I suspect going into game week 29 when he's back, they'll probably have, or they'll feel quite quietly confident, I'd say, going into that game against Arsenal in 29. Yeah, he, he's another player like Harry Kane who lost a goal against Arsenal as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, he, he, yeah, he, he could be a really good signing for 29. Yeah, he, he, he always seems to score against Arsenal. And he, he's been a brilliant signing for for West Ham um, I think United probably look at it now and think they could almost do with a player like he's been doing <laughs> yeah probably Fernandez has done what Fernandez does but I think Lingard just he's got a bit more legs than most of the United attacking midfielders and yeah he, it's nice to see him back because obviously with the Euros coming up as well he, he could be an asset for England in the summer definitely okay let's just have a one look at a couple of other clubs um, going into game week 28 then, because I think that there will be two clubs for because of their game week 29 fixture that will be quite popular from a defensive point of view, because you look at Aston Villa and Spurs and you think there could easily be no clean sheets in that one. You look at West Ham and Arsenal and think there could be no clean sheets in that one. Look at Fulham and Leeds and think, well, that could go either way, really, in terms of clean sheets or goals. But then you look at Brighton and Newcastle, which is the other game in game week 29. And I think... That game, given the uh, the Newcastle have been without key players like Callum Wilson, so they've been a bit blunt going forward. And Brighton just aren't, they just don't score that many goals. So you look at that fixture and think, could that be nil nil? Well, yeah, potentially. And then you look at their fixtures for this week. Newcastle have Aston Villa, who we've already spoken about how they're going to be without Jack Grealish again. And they're not as good going forward without Grealish there. Um, and Brighton have Southampton, who, well... They did play better against Man City, but I think in part that was because, well, Man City gave them a penalty. Uh, and then, of course, they just they, they were just a bit sloppy for the second one. I think they were quite comfortable that they were winning the game. So I look at Brighton um, as a Ben White owner because I couldn't afford the others and think I'm fairly pleased to own a Brighton defender going into game week 29. But we heard this week that Lamptey has had another setback in his recovery from his injury. So that means that Veltman is likely to continue playing. Now, Veltman, for me, has been one of the standout at the back for for Brighton this season. He has looked really, really good um, over the last couple of weeks. He So in game week 27, he registered um, a, a shot 
on goal, which, you know, given that Brighton aren't, they aren't scoring a lot of goals, the fact that he's getting up there and getting them from a defensive point of view is great. He also, I think, for me, is looking likely to be, apart from Lewis Dunk, of course, who goes up there for headers, and we always say, don't we? Every FPL content creator turns around and says, oh, Lewis Dunk from set pieces. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he doesn't always get them. He's always up and about for them. He doesn't always get them. Whereas... I think for me, Veltman, I don't know. It's just something about him. I like watching him play. I feel like he he's really improved. Um, he's the only Brighton defender that has scored in the last four weeks. Um, he's also had 13 penalty area touches in the last four weeks. Um, and that is four clear of the nearest, def- or his, of Dan Byrne, who's his nearest competitor from his team. So I think Veltman is, is probably a nice pick, a nice differential pick as well. So are you looking at the Brighton defence? And if you are, Veltman, Dunk, do you just go super cheap and go for white like I did? Or is it about the goalkeeper? Because, of course, there's going to be that element to, to picking a 2019. And against us, with a side here that have got Southampton in game week 28, they feels like a good investment for the next couple of weeks. It does. Um, I probably won't go for the keeper just because I've got Martinez and mm. every time I don't play Martinez, <laughs> it hurts, doesn't it? Every time I play him, he gets loads of points. A just been a brilliant signing. <laughs> yeah, I just can't bring myself to play anybody else instead of him. Um, even like this week with my my bench keeper had two games. Um, I only played one in the end with McCarthy, but I was still I wanted wanted Martinez playing. Um, mm. But I probably will go for a defender. And I think, like you mentioned, Ben White being the cheapest could be the way to go. So I went for Matt Loughton for the same, completely the same reason when they yeah. only had the double game and that paid off with a goal. I'm not expecting a goal. Um, I'm not expecting any attacking returns from either Brighton or Newcastle defenders, to be honest. Um, so I think I'll just, just go for the cheap, cheapest option um, mm. because I, it's just there for the clean sheet, really. Um, I think I so. See, I, I think so. And I think when you look at those those other fixtures in game week 29 and, and indeed at the fixtures that we've got to play in game week 28, there's not that many games where I look and think there's nailed on clean sheets there for teams but I look at Brighton versus Southampton and then versus Newcastle and think Southampton without Danny Ings Newcastle without Callum Wilson could there be two clean sheets there yes there absolutely could so Ben White feels like a nice pick and then following on from what you just said about going for cheap at, at Newcastle I think Jamal Lassell also potentially is a way that a lot of FPL managers will go he's somebody that Lee's been talking about for a couple of weeks for game week 29 and and the first time he mentioned it I was like are you mad are you actually mad we're talking about a new Newcastle defender here but he said well look at the fixtures for game week 29 and he's right you know you look at Spurs and and Aston Villa you look at West Ham and Arsenal and I'm I'm looking at those defenders I've got Creswell I've got Dallas but I'm going to need another one because I can't just play two defenders well I'm not really feeling the love for many of the other teams unless I'm going to go with Goulion which I could do and hope for some attacking returns but then again that plays into the strategy of well how many have I got going forward for Spurs. The Arsenal defenders, they're not getting a lot of attacking returns and I can see West Ham scoring in that game. So mm, not feeling the love for that. So Jamal Lassell, super cheap, super cheap. Nice fixture against Brighton in game week 29. All the good stuff I've just said about Brighton, they're not scoring a lot of goals. So could play out a nil-nil draw in that one. And then this time around, they've got Aston Villa on the Friday night game tomorrow evening. I really struggle with how that game's going to pan out because Aston Villa haven't been so good without Jack Grealish. They haven't had that same kind of intensity of play going forward, but they have still been good 
defensively, they've still had that solidity that Martinez brings game in, game out. So could that one end up with a couple of clean sheets in it? Well, potentially it could. So maybe owning a Newcastle defender isn't as crazy as it first sounds. What do you think? Like you say, it does sound crazy, but there have been improvements at Newcastle since the uh, the coach coming from Bournemouth. I don't know if I can bring myself to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, just because it's a Newcastle defender. Um, I've had Lascelles in past seasons and he probably is the pick of the defenders. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't sit well with me to bring a Newcastle defender in with, with the, the way they're playing. Um, they're, they're in real danger. Them and Brighton are both in real danger of, of relegation. Um, yeah. And Brighton are creating chances. There's, there's got to be just by a sheer number of averages that they have to have to score one soon, surely. Yeah. <laughs> only in the last four game weeks, only Man City and, and Chelsea have had more shots than Brighton. So you would think that they are likely to yeah, score at some yeah. stage. It's just that they're not able to finish these chances, but surely at some yeah. point they do. Even when they get penalties, they're missing them. And it's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. But you watch them play and like they've got some really good players like Trossard, um, that McAllister, that, that they look really good going forward, but then they just can't put the ball in the net. Um, I know. But it, it only takes one to just bounce off somebody's shin and just trickle in. And yeah, I, I think they could. I think at the teams down there, them and four are ones that mm. I think have got the best chance of staying up. Okay, um, so I think what we're saying then is the Brighton defence, we can get on board with the Brighton defence. Yeah. But the Newcastle defence might just be a little bit of a step no, too far. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then let's talk about captains for this week. We've already said, I think, that we're both going to captain Harry Kane this week. But is there anybody yeah. else that you think, if you don't own Harry Kane, who is potentially another good captaincy option this week? Do we trust the City boys versus Fulham? Can we go with one of the Liverpool boys? I don't think we can. What about no. Bruno Fernandes against West Ham? Um, so I I talked myself into giving Sterling another week. Um, after not playing last night, I think he, he he's got to play on Saturday. Surely um, he could bite bite me in the bum again. But I, I don't know. I talked myself to giving him, and obviously him, De Bruyne, Gundogan. They're all if they play, they're all good good assets for the armband. Mm. Um, I think my vice captain will probably be Aubameyang this week. Again, we said we expect goals in the North London derby. If Arsenal are going to score, I'd like to think he'd be involved. And so, yeah, I think sort of Kane, definitely. Um, if you want to do something different and go for Bale, then it's hard to argue with the way he's playing <laughs> in the form of him. Um, but I'll, I'll be sticking with Kane unless something happened tonight in the game or or something. Yeah, we obviously last last time Harry Kane had that injury was it come about he didn't travel um, to the Europa Cup game and there was a bit of a panic then. So if, if something like that happens, then I will look elsewhere, but I can't see it. I think it's just got to be Harry Kane. Yeah. And if you don't own him, bring him in. <laughs> I think that's yeah, what that, we're saying here. <laughs> yeah, that's been, about- my, that's been my motto pretty much all, all season. Just, just get Harry Kane. Yeah. He's Harry Kane. Scores goals. He's, he's brilliant. He's, yeah, he just get him. Is. Okay. So what about transfers for this week then? Who are you planning to bring in? Or who? Or are you going to roll um, ahead of 29? Yeah. Yeah, I think I am going to roll. Going into to sort of game week 29 with the squad I've got at the minute, I think I'd just like to have two transfers for that and have the most up to date. Obviously, people are, you can start to make plans, but if there's injuries and stuff, I'm, I'm fairly comfortable with my squad for this week. 
Yeah. And I think I can get away with with rolling that transfer and then leaving it till as late before the deadline as I can for 29, just so I can be more sure of players that are going to be in. The one sort of headache I've got for 29 is having Eric Dyer, um, just because he doesn't seem to be playing anymore. Um, so I've kept him with 29 in mind. There obviously could be rotation with with the European games and stuff, but do I keep him? And then that affects, that means I can only bring one extra Spurs player in, which seems crazy because I'm wasting wasting a slot on somebody playing who's not going to play, mm-hmm. so I may as well get rid of them. It's uh, a dilemma, um, that is. That, I think that's going to yeah. be a big dilemma for a number of people there. It's going to be, um, you know, people that have Arsenal players who have not necessarily started as much as they would want. People that have got Eric Dyer who's not started as much as they would want. Um, and it's difficult, isn't it? Because then you're, you're looking at these games thinking, actually, I need to get, I need to try and get 11 without taking hits and what have you. And, and so taking out a player who's got a fixture feels all kinds of wrong. But you never know with Mourinho. I think you're right in what you say about, you know, the, the Europa League is so important to Spurs, particularly given their league position right now. Although they're not out of the Champions League hunt or the Europa League places, the ability to get them, it's definitely by no means guaranteed. And Spurs really need to be back in the Champions League next season. So the Europa League is, like the League Cup final in a few weeks, going to be a priority. So we may start to see some rotation around in the league, but I don't see it with Spurs. I think they need to win the league fixtures as well if they're going to stand a chance of just not being out of everything, which is a risk Mourinho takes if he puts one competition ahead of the other. I think I'm sort of with you. I have been speaking all week about taking out Salah I'm going to take out Salah I'm going to get Bale or Aubameyang that's been what I've been saying since Sunday and then I watched Liverpool in the Champions League and thought oh I don't know he looked a bit better Liverpool looked a bit better could he get another week against Wolves maybe what's going to happen with Spurs so I'm waiting to see what happens in the Europa League if the Spurs players will make it through in one piece then I probably will still make that transfer this week but there is a part of me that thinks having two transfers a game at 29 is a nice place to be because then you're taking all that injury information the last thing I want is for somebody that I've got ready to play in 29 to get injured in 28 and then I've got more issues to do so I do think it's potentially a wise strategy if your team looks okay for 28 to roll and be ready for 29 with a couple of transfers yeah I think that's that's where I'm at at the minute um, obviously there are those games tonight so I could be without Harry Kane could be without Aubameyang could be without a few others yeah but I think if I can I will roll my transfer I'm fairly happy with how I've set my team up I can just almost have a, a few days without any stress of FPL <laughs> just sort of go, go with what I've got at the minute awesome um, giving it away no doubt my dad will be listening to this and we're quite close in the new league but he's just <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he's getting a bit of an inside scoop onto what I'm doing um, oh no yeah, yeah that's the issue with doing the blog and stuff he, he, get, he gets to know it's what I'm doing it's your trade secrets but yeah <laughs> I mean we have quite a good laugh with it and it's sort of it's one of the best things about FPL for me is that I have that sort of banter with my dad um, throughout it and sort of remember sort of as a kid before FPL like we'd be playing the Sun Dream team and we'd like we'd be on holiday when the tr- when the prices had come out, we'd go to the news day and we'd spend like a day on holiday on the beach, both of us just playing our dream teams and stuff. Love it. Um, yeah, and it's just been one of those things that we've always sort of had had in common. And so yeah, I think he'll be listening. He'll he's about 
40 points ahead of me at the minute. So, yeah, he's having a decent season. You um, can catch him, Brett. Go on. Exactly. We believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, thank you so much for joining me on this week's Scout of the Game Week. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Good luck with Game Week 28. It's going to be better. Definitely going to be better than Game Week 27. The captaincy is going to be a right one this time, I'm sure. I'm going to be back next week with another Scout the Game Week, where this time I'll be joined by the lovely Az from FPL Black Box. Um, Az and I will be looking back at Game Week 28, taking that knowledge to look ahead to, goodness, very short and sweet, blank Game Week 29. I will see you next week, guys.